good show tonight. We uh, yeah, that was fun. I like it was really rolling. That's yeah. a nice way to wrap the year. I really enjoyed it. That was a uh, that was a lot of fun it for me. Took us a little while to warm up. <laughs> we were starting off a little a little sloppy. Then we got it rolling pretty well, good. Fuck, we spent thirty minutes going over twenty eighteen whiskeys. I was like, we gotta we gotta <laughs> go. No, that was good. That, people like that I can always tell when Kenny's like. I can see it in his eyes, like there's like a uh, in his forehead, like when he's like, "All right, we got it." Hey everyone, welcome back to the last episode of Bourbon Pursuit before our 2018 Christmas holiday, and I'm gonna make this a quick one because we've got kind of a long episode because it's the wrap up of 2018, and then are looking forward to the futures and predictions of bourbon in 2019 as well. On our barrel pick sides, we've got order forms now out for Four Roses and our Joseph Magnus barrels. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you should have gotten the email if you were selected in the randomizer to go and buy. So please, you've got 72 hours from when I sent that email out to actually go and purchase or you're going to lose your spot. So please go and do that. Lastly, I also want to say Merry Christmas to everybody that's out there. I know you've got probably a lot of driving ahead of you for the Christmas holidays, so hopefully you're tuning in. Uh, you know, Take some bottles over to your family members, open them up, share them with family, share them with friends this holiday season. And if you can, turn them on to Bourbon Pursuit. Say, I, I, I listen to this podcast. It's taught me a lot, and hopefully we're teaching you a lot. Maybe we're just not rambling a bunch of stuff. But please spread the word. Word of mouth is always the best way to kind of get good news out there. And speaking of good news and making this podcast even better, make sure you take the time, leave some reviews. That's what makes us better. When I get to hear the positive or negative and critical feedback from people, it actually makes the show a lot better. So please take the opportunity, not while you're driving, but when you have an opportunity to sit down at the desk and leave us a review, it goes an awful long way to help growing the show, helping our rankings and keeping us the number one podcast in bourbon. Now with that, enjoy this week's episode. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. So this has been kind of a weird week for me. We're leading into the holidays. All the bourbon stuff has pretty much been written for the year. And I flat out had no ideas coming into this week's Above the Char. And although I routinely ask you all to give me ideas, I was running low on those requests in my inbox. So I did what any sane bourbon writer would do, I went to Twitter and asked a simple question. What should I talk about? And I had a lot of really good ones, like, you know, 51% corn. Why do only some bourbons uh, put sour mash on the label? And, you know, basically what's that mean and why do they keep putting that on there? That's uh, a good one that comes up quite a bit. Uh, in fact, everybody uses a sour mash technique. It just so happens that in the 1800s, if you saw all sour mash on the label, that meant it was special and you could trust it and it wouldn't you wouldn't have any of those off-putting tastes most likely. And then it became kind of a branding strategy and you had about five different brands after Prohibition claiming to be the first sour mash. And like the curveball where there's really one or three ways to throw a curveball, there's one dominant way to throw the curveball. And now there's basically one common language on all whiskey labels and sour mash is among them. 
Another really good question I got was like, highlight a review from yours from three to five years ago. This comes from David Bolin, who also wanted to know the ones I'm keeping an eye on and what you all should be looking for uh, next year. There was a review of a bourbon that I wrote, uh, I think about five years ago. It was in 1776. I'm sorry, it wasn't their bourbon. It was their rye. It was their 1776 rye. It was like a 15-year-old. And this was kind of in that... They fell on that time of uh, the source whiskey stories and nobody really trusted anybody at this time. And really, we still don't. But I just remember that whiskey being so amazing. And it was one of the first ones where I, I started telling people like, look, guys, don't be, don't be dismissing these bourbons and rides just because there's a label uh, issue the whiskey's really good. And since then, we've seen this crazy phenomenon and, and love for uh, the Lawrenceburg, um, Indiana distillery. And that leads me to the next question or the next topic that was suggested to me by Bryant Roberts, and that is to encourage more people to taste blind. And I try to do that a lot. Now, sometimes I don't have the manpower to do that. And I have to, you know, pour from the bottle and knowingly taste um, what I'm drinking. When I do that, I do my very best to remove any kind of subjective nature. So, but when you taste blind, you're removing all of your prejudices and, and all of the things that you think you might like going into the tasting. Like I guarantee you, if you were to taste your average bourbon drinker, a bottle of 15-year-old Pappy Van Winkle up against... I don't know, Smooth Ambler or Maker's Mark, I have a hard time believing that those people would consider Pappy to be that much better than the other two. And so when you're tasting blind, you're removing all of those prejudices. And if you are assessing the whiskey by itself, you're not looking into the price, you're not looking into the marketing, and you're certainly not going to be deceived by a backstory. So that's why I do my best to taste blind. Uh, and especially in competition or when I'm rating, that's very, very important. So that is a little rundown of some of the great questions I got on Twitter this week. I did get a lot of them, and I really appreciate all of your time for those 44 characters. Please keep them coming, as I do love answering questions on Twitter. But that's this week's Above the Char. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, at Fred Minnick. Again, that's at Fred Minnick. Happy holidays. Cheers. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, 
and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. everyone, welcome back to the 27th recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It's a fan favorite. It's a crowd favorite. We get the biggest bloggers that are in the realm, and we talk about random news that has happened. And this is going to be one of those special episodes that we do once a year. Uh, you know, we do the roundtables once a month, but this is the one we do once a year as we look back in our year of bourbon. So we're going to look at some of the highlights of bourbon in 2018 and then we're going to start doing what everybody loves and start making predictions for 2019. And before we get started doing that, uh, Fred, Ryan, welcome back to uh, the last roundtable recording yeah. that we are going to have for 2018. It's awesome. We're so glad to be here. Um, yes, who would have thought if you'd asked me what would happen in 2018 last year, uh, I would have whiffed hard because 2018 was crazy and uh, a lot of great things happened. I, I think all of us. So excited to kind of recap and rego or go over everything because a lot happened. And uh, yeah, party. <laughs> and you know, this was also uh, you know looking back just 2018 year in review. I mean, Fred joined the show. This is I think his third roundtable that he's been on. So uh, how you liking the the roundtable discussions and stuff so, so far, Fred? Uh, you know, it, it's a lot of fun for me. I'm a big sports fan and this reminds me a little bit of around the horn, you know, the way we, the way we do it. And, uh, we have a great cast of characters. Um, I kind of agree with a lot of people who always say we should do more of them. You know, I, I think it's a good, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun for me because I like talking shit on shit and it's, uh, it's a good place to do it. Yeah. It's really, as soon as uh, Kenny buys the buzzers where we can mute people and like give out points, <laughs> I'm in for you know two a month. Until then, no. Do you guys watch around the horn? Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Those guys are pretty smart though. I don't know if we fit into that category. Those guys are pretty sharp. Have you ever seen Woody Page? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Most I mean, of them are. <laughs> Maybe they bullshit the whole time. Give them a little bit of credit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it always blows me away, too, knowing that there's actually this much news that happens in bourbon, uh, at least for us, every three weeks. But yeah. we, we could do this every two weeks for the amount of stuff that comes out, as well as uh, the great questions that we get from our audience and listeners that are out there as well. But before we kick it off, we always want to go uh, around the horn and kind of get our uh, lay of the land of of who's here. So, Blake, I'm going to go ahead and start with you since you're on my left. Yeah, so my just regular introduction on this one, Blake from Bourboner. You can find me at uh, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R.com. I didn't know if we we're like jumping into like our New Year's resolutions right away or whatever it's going to be. So, no, um, you can find me at Bourboner.com, Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, starting to do a about a bi-weekly Bourboner Live uh, show. So definitely check in this Wednesday. We're going to have a special guest. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to leave it a secret for now and, and uh, maybe maybe reveal that one a little bit later on this week's episode. But no, definitely check it out. Um, and if you want to see any rules changed in the Bourboner Facebook group, make sure to go vote now. We're uh, working on that now. So far, we've had about two serious submissions for rule changes and everything else has been a joke. So that's uh, kind of sums up the it's group pretty well. Yeah. This is serious. I'm looking for change. And if uh, I'm your yeah. special guest, I haven't got my notice yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I said <laughs> if you iron your shirt, we're oh, definitely yeah. going to have you on. Ooh. But I just dug this out. Uh, I thought it was too good not to wear. <laughs> And Jordan, go ahead. Sure. So this is Jordan, one of three guys from BreakingBourbon.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, all those good sites at Breaking Bourbon. And also sign up for our newsletter. And uh, we do a near daily release calendar. So make sure you're getting in your last uh, Christmas shopping by checking out the calendar. And Carrie. This is Carrie from Suburbia. I don't even know why I'm still here. I uh, <laughs> I used to blog back in the day. And... My accomplishments recently were that um, I played tennis last week and I did really well. And um, and then I did good stuff at work. So I'm really excited about that. But <laughs> if you want to um, check out my blog, it's S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A.com. It's great stuff from two, a couple years ago. And uh, I am hiring somebody to write for me. I have plenty of booze that I can pay you in and Bitcoin. So hit me up at bourbon underscore gamer on Twitter. <laughs> Still keeping the Bitcoin dream alive. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't sell it. <laughs> so I, I think it, an easy way to kind of uh, go in with no lube and let's start talking about our favorite whiskey oh, of the geez, year. Wait, right. what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my what? Is that, not, is that an analogy? Yeah. Going with no lube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake, Kenny. So yeah. Nobody's heard that analogy before. <laughs> yes, we have. We have a family audience out there. My, my kid is actually probably watching this. I try to play these shows when my kids or podcasts with my kids in the car. Yeah. Now I got to turn them off because Kenny. <laughs> Listen, I've my daughter has dropped a couple GDs in the last couple podcasts. So, you know, he, he's really getting with it with the cussing. Uh, I'm trying to get up there with Joe Rogan, guys. We got it. We got to. Yeah. Up our game okay. a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Luba. go on, Lube boy. Uh, All right, so uh, Lube or no Lube, but we're going to jump into twenty into our, our twenty eighteen whiskey of the year, and somebody somebody just put somebody just put in the comments that says I knew Kenny was a dry guy. Oh man! All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep going here. All right, so we're gonna want to really jump in and really talk about our our twenty eighteen whiskey of the year, and and. There's one that's already been out there. It's pretty well known, and that's Fred's. Uh, and so, Fred, I kind of want to let you go first to kick this off because, you know, you got a chance to try a lot more probably bourbons and whiskeys than we have, uh, and you've got to do them all blind. You've been able to uh, have the sort of lay of the land. You've already had your article published in Forbes, so kind of talk about yours. Uh, so my American whiskey of the year uh, was this uh, barrel – uh, craft spirits released the 15 year old. So it's a new, new line that they have, uh, kind of like a super premium, I guess. I don't know, but it's got a gray label. Yeah. I, I just call it the gray label because I can't really differentiate the barrel craft spirits and the barrel batches because they're pretty much the, they look the same, uh, to me text wise. But so I call it the gray label, but I, uh, I've been very fortunate in being, uh, uh, formerly, 
uh, Whiskey Advocates, you know, lead reviewer until I started my own magazine and and left. Uh, and then after after I left there, uh, Forbes recruited me to start doing reviews for them. And basically, I've, I've a lot of people send me stuff. I buy a lot of stuff, and uh, I had narrowed down, you know, the top fifteen uh, whiskeys, American whiskeys, you know, based on you know, what, how I had personally rated them. Some of those ratings were published. Some of them were not. Uh, there was a little bit of a gap from my, from my reviews, but I was continuing to taste. And I also have a, an app coming out here pretty soon that has, has ratings in it. Uh, so I've been very active in my, in my tasting. I think I've tasted like 600 this year. So, um, and written notes to them. So I, I had a pretty good database of, of things that, you know, would be in the competition for me. And, um, and so I put 15 in there, uh, had them blind tasted. I had a guy come in and pour them and he swore to it, um, you know, that he didn't, you know, put them in any kind of order or anything like that. So I had no idea what I was tasting. Uh, he was, um, he was present to make sure, you know, that I didn't, you know, cheat or anything like that or go back and look. And I did it. I did the tasting live on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, it was lo and behold, number one and number two was the William LaRue Weller, uh, from this year's Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. So this, for my blind tasting, uh, won, you know, best American whiskey. Now with that said, I went back and tasted it several times and I'm very proud to say it is, uh, it is affirmed. Like I'm, um, I I really really love this stuff. It's it's great great whiskey, in my opinion. I got a sample bottle myself. Uh, I tried it with Ryan. He came over and mm-hmm. we agree. It was it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it had a lot of those characteristics and uh, a lot of really full flavored. That really kind of hits a lot of the check boxes that many people are looking for when you're looking for a pretty good whiskey. The uh, the retail price is a little like geek, but I think it's it's something that might be deserving of it. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to retail pricing, this is something that I have, you know, for years I've struggled on this. Um, and the bottom line is like the the price, uh, there, there are so many under $40 bourbons that, uh, that I've ranked 93, 88 to 93. And the best way that I can do this objectively uh, is just to taste them because that you know there i've taste i've i've uh i've scored things that were three four hundred dollars like in the uh 70s so like the a few a couple last year the parker's heritage collection got like a 77 and a 76 from me or something like that you know and that's the same price point if i'm not mistaken and so like i don't know how to you know you know in other other than like my scores and like you just whether you like them or not, uh, the, the rating system is the only way I can say differentiate it on price. But in terms of tasting, when you taste a blind, you don't know what the price is because it'll influence how you think about the taste. Can I ask you uh, what level of marzipan was it, was in it? <laughs> this was a high marzipan. <laughs> high. Now, the better question is, Ryan, did you taste marzipan? You know, my sample was so small, I can't remember. Kenny recently actually tasted marzipan in real life, right? 
I did. I was in Seattle last week and went to this place called, uh, uh, it's, it's this Russian bakery that's right there on Pike street, like Piorsky Piorsky or something like that. But anyway, they had these, uh, it's funny these, because they have rolls. it upstairs too. in uh, at this Russian bakery for that. <laughs> 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 okay. So keep the, the loop jokes going. Is that what <laughs> 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 Jordy, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like an almond paste. It's pretty good stuff, but I, I kind of want to keep this conversation going and, uh, Jordan, Go ahead and kind of talk about breaking so, yeah, bourbon we, and kind of what you actually, so Every year, it's been Trish on breaking bourbon. We do a favorites list, right? So our favorites list is the three of us, each listing out our favorite bourbons or whiskeys that we've tasted this year, American whiskeys. Now, our favorites isn't necessarily our best of, right? It's just what really stood out from us. So I'm not going to really spoil anything. I will say I've had a number because that's coming out next week. I will say I've had a number of really good um, whiskeys that stood out this year. I thought 2017, if you're at our best of list was kind of a dry year, right? Nothing really popped out as much as other years. I think other years, there's a lot more innovation, a lot more stuff that really stood out. 2017 was a low year, um, we all thought. Now, 2018, exact opposite, right? It's been really hard the last few weeks trying to whittle it down what my, um, you know, what my favorites were just because there were so many good ones out there, right? So I don't want to say what's going to be on there, right? But some that did stand out, which may or may not be on the list, but like that Bell Mead Bourbon Cast Strength Reserve, Right. I had zero expectations going into sampling this. Blew me away. Full of flavor. Right. Eric just cracked open a bottle of Jack Daniels Heritage. Blew him away. Not like ones that we wouldn't assume, like the unassuming of suddenly um, been front and center. There's some great ones out there. Right. The barrel stuff that's coming out that Fred had mentioned. Really good. I thought Heaven Hill really knocked it out of the park with a lot of their releases this year. Right. The um, old Fitz release that came out this fall. Super, super good. Um, so all that'll be captured in the article. So I don't want to, you know, I realize I'm teasing it right now, so I don't want to give it away, but it is what it is. Um, but overall 2018, really good year for whiskey, right? A really good year. I thought I got to I got to concur with you on that Jack heritage barrel. That was, that that was my number three in the blind tasting. And, um, it was, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely gorgeous. Surprisingly. I mean, if if people are out there, they can see a bottle for 65 bucks, scoop it up. I don't think you're going to be disappointed in it whatsoever. Yeah. Jack Daniels, you know, they get a lot of crap, but, uh, you know, when they put that, I mean, they put a lot of effort into what they do, but that particular release was just so good. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they don't get enough credit because it is what it is. You know, everyone just assumes, Oh, it's Jack Daniels. It's all the same. Um, but I've had some single barrels from them that are really good. And I, I keep wanting to slip them into a blind tasting somewhere. Um, cause I think people would be surprised by that. But then, you know, if <clears throat> promoting Jack Daniels is like in some people's minds saying, you got to go try this new cheeseburger at McDonald's, you're going to love it. You know? um, <laughs> That's true. But at the end of the day, if it's good, it's good. Um, if, you know, I don't know, McDonald's bought grass-fed beef or something for a special release it'd be a little different but it's still hard to convince some people in their own mind that um mcrib yeah i was say like people shit on the mcrib but damn it's really good it hits the spot now and then right my toes my toes swells after i eat the mcrib so <laughs> it's because you're eating toe <laughs> blake go ahead you go next yeah um so I don't, I feel like I've missed some releases this year. Um, Cause for me, you know, I, I didn't love the Parkers. Um, I actually did like the 27 year old, but I think that just gets ripped on him. 
I'm still not convinced that I got the same sample as everyone um, because uh, what, what I got was really good. Uh, that one, I really enjoyed that. I think just because it was so surprising. Um, and I, and I love the Booker's 30th, you know, I've had a, had a chance to try that. Um, and I, I think I put this on Facebook too. You know, it's always hard when you take these press trips to come out and say, wow, this is actually really good because the automatic reaction is, well, of course it's good. You you're tasting with, you know, Fred, no, Fred, no, and just sitting there and, uh, you got a free trip out of it. Um, but I thought it was really good. Um, I thought that was great. I thought the Ezra's was a great release. You know, if you talk about available, um, and then there were, I'm trying to think of which batch it was, but, um, the Elijah Craig barrel proof, I think it was this most recent one. Um, I'd have to go back and look at samples was really good. So I've got a few that are in contention with me, um, or, or, or for me. Um, and then, you know, kind of the old faithful of the William Rue Weller. I thought that was a really good showing in the antique collection this year. And uh, kind of tasting through all five of those, that was almost head and shoulders above everything else. So um, I'd throw that one in there as well. Kerry, okay. what about you? Uh, man, I got to be kind of the, the naysayer in this whole thing. I, I really didn't think 2018 was that good of a year when it wow. came to releases. I was, yeah, I'm going back through the calendar because I forgot what we had this year. I know we had the, the two old fits releases plus the 14 year in the gift shop. You know, I tried all three of those. I thought the first release, the 11 year, was terrible. I thought the nine year was actually pretty decent, and the 14 year from the gift shop is—I don't know—it's kind of weird. It tastes like like corn pudding to me, mm-hmm. which I, I don't dislike it, but it's just—it's just—it's like got that Heaven Hill kind of corny flavor to me. Um, the Parker's was a letdown. The Old Forster Birthday Bourbon was terrible this year. Um, I'm trying to go through the list of everything and. Uh, the four grain just tasted the same as last year's four grain, which was a step down from seasoned wood, which was also a step down from cured oak. I just don't think it was that great of a year. The CYPB at 40 bucks was a decent pour, but you know, people spending 200, 220 bucks on it. And of course they're always crazy when it comes to Weller, but you know, I thought that one was okay. Um, I would say honestly of, of all the releases for the whole year, Probably the Rip Van Winkle tenure is probably my favorite thing that I've had this year. Um, really, really good batch this year. The William Larue, William LaRue Weller definitely was tops of the antique, which made me sad because I thought the Eagle Rare at 101 proof was going to be amazing. And I feel like it was just, it was, it was good, but I don't think it was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, maybe, you know, I haven't had Booker's 30th yet. It hasn't hit Georgia. Um, and there's some other things that I didn't get to try. I wasn't invited to go hang out with Booker No, you know, and try this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not in that crowd, but I'm, uh, I don't well, think you no, have to write three since, articles a year. Since Booker's year. dead, I don't think anybody here was, uh, invited <laughs> to him. Okay, sorry, the, the no that's. <laughs> well, technically, uh, I believe there is, um, didn't Freddie have that's a That's true. Yeah. 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 He, we didn't he, hang out with him either. <laughs> three months old, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I hope yeah, Jimmy's yeah. not asking you to hang out with him. <laughs> was I will say um, I did like the Four Roses 130th this year. I thought it was a good a good batch. thought it was better than the 16 and 17. Um, reminded me of the 2015. Um, that, that, that was a good batch. I'll, I'll include that in there. Um, yeah, that was tasty. Yeah. But I, I don't think anything blew me away from that. What year, about a store pick, Carrie? You yeah. like store picks. Um, I do like store picks, but to be honest, Eagle Rare store picks are my favorite. And I've just been drinking last year's. Hmm. You know, I loaded up when they said there would be no barrels. And 
Um, you know, the, I, I honestly, I've had a couple OWA store picks this year. I think they're garbage. I, they're nothing like the OWA store picks from a couple years ago. I, you know, garbage is, I use that sparingly, but they're just not very good. The stuff that's barreled now, the Blantons, I've had a couple store pick Blantons. None of them are, are good. I got one store pick Blantons from uh, one of our buddies on Twitter, who it was, sent me his his stores, um, Blantons, and it was actually one of the best I've ever had. That actually might be one of my favorites of the year. Was uh, do you, do you was think it? more cynicism is growing into your uh, mm-hmm. reviews as you you know you kind of broaden you taste more and more, or it's uh, really just the the selections are getting worse. I think it's both. I think I've been cynical. I've been I've yeah. grown more cynical as as the thing as everything has gotten crazier and dumber and more annoying. I've probably gotten more cynical, but at the same time, you try it against. Older stuff and not even, you know, we're not talking like 2010 or anything. I'm talking 2014. Yeah. You compare the stuff to it's yeah. it's totally different. What about what about non-limited edition releases, right? What about more of the stuff that's gonna be out there every day? Was there anything that you tried that stood out to you? Uh the 1910 from Old Forester. I know it's uh lower proof than 1920. I thought that was a really good release. We you stole my thunder. we killed that sample pretty quickly um i forgot about that one until just now that was that was a pretty good kind of everyday release i know everyone's had that ezra barrel proof and they love it i have not um come across any in atlanta i kind of stopped running around the stores because i'm just tired of it so just waiting for it to land somewhere local that i can pick it up i've heard that's a really good one though i'll add uh on a little caveat to my uh to my answer based on what Paul Burns put in the uh, comments, which was the new riff. Um, so as most know, I've been diving more into the craft spirits world as of recently. And uh, new riff has put out a lot of good stuff. So I, I think that's what has me more excited is some of these other distilleries putting out really good products. And it's, it's yep. those ones where you say, all right, this isn't good for craft. It's just good. Um, and, and I've had several barrels from them that have, fit into that category. So they're, they're one that has me excited. Um, now to see what it'll do at six and eight years old, I think will be really cool. But um, even, even now i I find it very, uh, very, you know, rich, a lot of flavor and uh, pretty complex. Yeah, new riff is convinced, really nice uh, Blake, I'm still convinced your new riff pick, they accidentally like <laughs> put, uh, eight no, years in there. Like that that's delicious. not a four year. <laughs> that was really good. I'm pretty sure uh, Larry Ebersold, uh, you know, single or individually blessed that one barrel. <laughs> in the, uh, where, where is this barrel? When are, when are you selling this barrel? Hold on, hold on. Before we get too far, because you guys are killing everything I'm about to say over here. So I want to go before we know, keep we going down this it. rabbit hole. <laughs> so, well, I want to I want to go first, and then I'll let Ryan go. So. Uh, I, I did think the old Fitzgerald bottled and bond, the, the nine year, the fall release uh, was by far the best of the decanter releases that actually happened this year. Um, I thought it was also just a, a pretty good whiskey. Uh, was it the best? I don't know. I, I, I probably would still favor George T stag over it, but you know, at the very end of the day, I was down there. I was just looking at my bottles and I look at the bar and I keep going back to Barrel 14936, which was Blake's barrel that he chose. That is the seal box barrel that's up there. And I, I'm I'm honestly I'm amazed by it. Uh it is it is one of the the best single barrel picks that I've had in a long time. And 
I don't, I'm not just trying to pat his ego here and say this because, you know, we're good friends, but it is, I mean, it is, it is a solid bourbon. Um, it is, it rivals our pick. I'll say that it, actually it's okay. It might be a step ahead. I'll, I'll give him that, but it, uh, it was just, I mean, it's just a fantastic, fantastic whiskey. Um, and I, I'm actually still amazed that they're still available right now on the website because this was, uh, this was something when I know Ryan come out, comes over and I have other people come over and they're like, Oh, I don't know, like some four-year-old whiskey. I mean, and then I, I make them try it and they're like, Holy crap. It's got like butterscotch in it. Uh, <laughs> something that you wouldn't expect out of something that's only four years old. It was, it, it was, it was surprising and, and really good. Oh, I got to get my credit card. I'll be right back. <laughs> it was funny. They, they put, um, and I think what made it stand out to me is, and we may have talked about this last time, but they put buttered toast and basically they give you a list of barrels to try from. And, um, you know, they kind of have their tasty notes and you say, all right, this one sounds good. And buttered toast just stood out to me. And I tasted it. I'm like, I don't know if that's buttered toast, but it's definitely like a butterscotch note, which was um, really, really interesting to see. So, and that's where, you know, you get into the debate of, where does bourbon hit its peak flavor? And we always kind of joke around when out when these labels say, well, we we barrel it when it's at its peak flavor. Um, you know, I would have pulled this barrel too at four years old because I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen in another two, three years. Um, so it is interesting to see how some of these distilleries, and I think, you know, they're they got a column still. That's uh the and they have a their master distiller has a brewing background so the fermentation's good goes through a column still really clean and then it's in a barrel and four years it it just came out really well so thank you for the kind words I appreciate it that, yeah. um, yes, all so. this is being transcribed into a. Uh, <laughs> a <laughs> review that's going to go up tomorrow on Sealbox. Yeah, I hate I hate doing it because I don't like you that much, but it was yeah. it's just damn, it's a damn good You are the person I don't want to compliment, but the bourbon was that. Hey, Blake, do you use trash cans? Someone's asking. <laughs> it's actually never a topic we've, we've talked about here, have we? No. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> and before, but, uh, before we get into trash can blending, I want Ryan to go. Okay, so now that uh, there's none left to talk about, <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to go with Brown Foreman as my two, surprisingly, because I usually do not like Brown Foreman products, but I really like the President's Choice this year. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think I, the first one was really good, and then the one that Jackie gave to us when we recorded, thought it was awesome barrel proof, awesome juice. Um, and then the 1910 for me is a home run. Um, usually I love barrel proof stuff, but at 94 proof, it has a ton of flavor, ton of complexity to it. Reminds me of an older whiskey. I was just really excited about that because, uh, you just don't see that anymore. Uh, a lot of stuff at 94 proof just doesn't have that kind of flavor. Good so. deal. So, uh, before we go on to the next subject, there's, um, just kind of want to do some some shout outs for some other ones that weren't on here. Uh, there was a lot of stuff for uh, Boone County releases, which are a lot of MGP stuff, which I also heard they're they're under like they've got like less than six barrels of MGP remaining. So uh, it's going to be interesting. 2019. For them. They've got they've got more than six barrels left. All right. So they've got eight. No, they've got, you know, they're 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 losing barrels because everyone's picking them. But they've got more than, you know, they've got. They would have, you know, let's basically put it this way that, you know, they would have more barrels than Blake probably has right now. 
How many Blake? How many barrels you got right now, Blake? In my house or in, in stock in general? On, on, on Steelbox. Oh, um, they're they're in the twelve dozens. or so. Yeah, gotcha. Well, anyway, before we get too far, there was uh, some other shout outs for for Four Roses hundred thirtieth, as well as Little Book Good. Volume Two. No, so, okay. <laughs> it's like everybody everybody's different. Everyone's got their opinion. Yeah. Now that's yeah, a great I, thing about tasting is like yeah. everyone has their opinion and sometimes I suck to those people and that's fine. So before we gonna go on, I also want to start talking about, you know, we talked about whiskey of the year for a lot of us. Uh 2018 was a great year for uh pretty much everyone right here. Everybody has, has started elevating, figuring out new ways to kind of diverge. Uh, and grow platforms, grow audiences and everything like that. So I kind of want everybody to kind of take a second. Uh, let's not go as long as winded as I thought we were going to do on just 2018 Whiskey <laughs> of the Year, but kind of talk about, uh, you know, one big accomplishment that that you achieved in 2018. Um, Carrie, you want to go first? Uh, sure, man. Um, no, let me go last. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then I'll go uh, first. Can we go first? Sure. Blake, um, is it whiskey related? Because I brought two new children into the world. Does that count? Is that <laughs> yeah? I, mean, yes. I mean, no. Um, I mean, it just and I'm kind of one of those guys who will sit down at the beginning of the year and write out a few goals and you know kind of see how I check off. And uh, some of them I hit, some of them I don't hit. And um, one of the big ones was just kind of expanding the the Bourboner Facebook group. Um, to manageable level. Um, and I, I think, you know, while it is somewhat crazy, it still works. Um, and the reason for that is just expanding the platform um, and expanding kind of the brand of, of Bourboner. Um, so, so that's been good to see. And then a, a big thing was for launching Sealbox. Um, and I got that done in July. So um, was, was really happy about that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to see a lot of hours and work and something actually come together. Um, that's, that is always exciting, you know, no matter the headaches and frustration, it, it is cool to see something that, that you work really hard on to actually go live. So that was a big one for me. Awesome. Cool. Fred, you want to go to the next? Yeah, I think probably for me that is going to be like, this is a dream come true, you know, creating a magazine that, you know, I think preserves and, you know, uh, celebrates bourbon in, in, in a way that I think everybody can enjoy is, is has always been a dream of mine. And, um, and tied to that is my Amazon prime show, uh, bourbon up, which a new episode will be dropping here pretty soon. So that's, um, that's probably it for me, like being editor in chief and founder and owner of a magazine that I think will really, you know, be appreciated by listeners out there. It's something I've always wanted to do. Fred, what, what, uh, I mean, what does that look like from idea to first edition? I mean, was this idea starting to come together 2015, 2016, and then you finally make it or, uh, actually, you know, I think everyone knows that I was, um, you know, everybody's whiskey, you know, major whiskey writer, bourbon writer uh, for a lot of these magazines. And, you know, I wrote for everyone from the New York Times, the Scientific American, but my core has always been Whiskey Magazine and Whiskey Advocate. And and things just started changing. And I realized that I could not really influence much um, anymore. And I needed to make a change. That, that really started probably two, three Sorry. years ago. 
And um, I just didn't know how it would come about. Like, this is one where, I mean, it takes a lot of work, a lot of money to, to get a magazine off the ground. And, and, you know, and I've had offers before, but it would be like putting out, you know, a turd in front of a IHOP. And that's nothing I ever wanted to do. You know, those free, you know, get a free magazine. I always wanted something that would be of high quality. And um, I've been writing for this magazine called Covey Rise for a long time. And it just so happened he was looking to grow uh, at the same time I was looking to make a move. And we kind of came up with the idea of doing a bourbon magazine. And uh, it's been a great partnership. Uh, right now, we're in... Uh, all the Whole Foods in the country and Kroger and uh, some other grocery chains like Sprout and Earth Fair and Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. So we're, we have a really incredible penetration into the newsstand space and we're only one issue in. Second issue mails uh, really right now, I think, right in the next couple of days. Well, awesome. Congrats on all that. Jordan, you want to go next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2018 was a good year for us right like you know like you guys we launched our own barrel picks and like many did on patreon but i think more importantly it was a super humbling year for the three of us at breaking bourbon so we've been doing this this is just something we do for fun is you know everyone else is doing their thing too and um 2018 solidified us as the largest um bourbon website on the internet and we are now awesome. um yeah so we're also now the third largest well fourth going into third largest whiskey website worldwide which Considering we only focus on bourbon and American whiskey. Hold on. Who do you got to take to get there? Who do it's, you pretty, take? it's pretty, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names. I'll send you guys the list later. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's pretty humbling. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to end the year just shy of 2 million unique people visiting the site. Um, hopefully we'll continue to uh, double it next year, but just, just being able to, you know, we're just three average guys who love, love whiskey. Are and, you, a, um, are you all ever thinking about doing it full time? Cause you do a great job at it. We, um, it'd be great to do full-time. I'm not sure if, if it would, uh, be able to take over our day jobs, Fred, but you know, if, if we ever have the opportunity to do something like that, I, I think that'd be awesome. But in the Cause meantime, you, cause you like make real money. You don't like make bourbon writing money. You like, make real money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all, we all have day jobs that are quite different, quite, quite yeah. different than a uh, breaking bourbon. But that being said, you know, breaking bourbon, something it's a true passion project that turned into more than that. And um, it's just been a super humbling year. And, you know, we just thank everyone who's visited the site this year and who writes in and, you know, tells us criticism, tells us praise. We take it all. We just love it. So it's what I love great, about you what know. you guys do is you're so methodic in what you're in your writing and your your research. Uh, it's always reminded me of like a lot of my research, but also like a guy named Michael Jackson, who was a brilliant um, yeah. whiskey writer before, you know, before any of us got most of us got into it. But so you're. You know, you guys do great work, and I'm I'm just so glad you guys are climbing those charts. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's been fun. It's been, you know, more importantly, it's just been an awesome time to be part of this group too, right? I think everyone on this community roundtable, we've all seen each other grow and supported each other, and that's been, you know, honestly, the most exciting thing for all of us to see, right? And we've all now got to meet in person, and it's just it's just been a blast. 2018 was a blast for all of us individually, but more so for the community roundtable. Um, it's been awesome. Everybody's tearing up around here. <laughs> is this our last roundtable of 2018? I guess it is. Oh, it is. Yeah, it, is. it is. All right. So, Carrie, you've uh, you brainstormed. You got something for us? Yeah, I think my biggest accomplishment was staying friends with you guys and writing. And no, and I'm serious. Like, 2018 was a, was a chill year for me. I mean, I've, I'm super busy and work's been busy, and the kids, you know, always have activities, and I. I wish I could write more. 
Um, I enjoy, I don't really enjoy writing. I enjoy reading my articles after I've written it, but uh, <laughs> it's self-fulfilling, isn't it? It's kind of self-fulfilling. And I think getting to know all of you guys a little bit more, getting to know Fred and staying on this podcast, probably, you know, my biggest achievement is setting myself up for a lot better year next year. Um, I think there's a lot of things that I can do to grow the brand and, and to put more stuff out in the blog and just kind of be more out there, get to know you guys a little bit better. And if I have some recommendation for you, Carrie, um, it would be to do fine. You, so you don't like writing. Okay. That's, you know, that is, it, it's not, it doesn't come easy for everybody, but find what you do love and find like what you, and if there's something that you like write about, don't write like everybody else, you know, write like how you like to write. And, uh, you know, the Breaking Bourbon boys, they found their, they found their voice. Uh, Blake found his, I'm still searching for mine, man. It's a never ending, it's a never ending pursuit. I would call it a bourbon pursuit. We're going <laughs> to, <laughs> can we start off now? That's perfect. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Carrie, as my uh, as my senior English teacher told me, Blake, you have a great or, or um, you have a hard time taking ideas from up here and putting them on paper. You have good ideas, but it's just that transition onto the paper where you have a great idea. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or you're like really disrespecting me right now, but I'll take it. <laughs> With Fred, uh, it looks like we're adding another extension to our brand, uh, Bourbon Writing Consulting, um, you know, <laughs> for, for everyone else. So if you need help, Fred is at charge at $100 an hour or maybe I'm, more. I'm absolutely free. Just ask Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I help every writer. I, every writer that comes to me, I try to help them. I, I still think Blake and I, like Bourbonier Suburbia, would be <laughs> a fantastic brand. Suburboner. Suburbonia. <laughs> We should, uh, even though before you guys go, even though Brian's not here, we should probably give him a plug. Speaking of, as Fred said, so it's yeah. been a huge year for Sip and Corn, right? He released yeah, his, his first book. So if you guys haven't had a chance to read it, right, go out, go out and grab a copy. Bourbon Justice, it's, um, it's really good. Brilliant. Huge kudos yeah. to him. Thank you okay. for doing that as well. Uh, yeah. Ryan, go ahead on, on your end. Well, uh, I'm not one to sit and like, boast or I don't like to talk, but I mean, 2018 has been crazy. Like I'm sitting here looking at my goals in Evernote and like a lot of them I didn't accomplish, but I accomplished a lot of things that I didn't set out to. So like, don't talk on your phone when you're watching the kids. That didn't happen. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's seriously, uh, this, this right here, um, pursuit series, uh, has been like in a, just a humbling, amazing dream come true coming from, you know, growing up around bourbon and having the opportunity to create our own brand and label and sourcing whiskey with Kenny. It's been one of the most like enjoyable experiences I've been a part of. And it's something that's like reignited me and given me so much passion for uh, this industry and that, and really helped me understand how everything works. And now I'm just like so enthralled to be a part of this and so grateful and thankful. I, I just, it's, you can see it on my face probably, but it's just been so great. And I'm so thankful for this community to allow us to, to give us that opportunity. So absolutely second that one. And and from my side, you know, the, the growth of the show in 2018 has been phenomenal. Adding Fred to the show has been a huge plus to that as well. Uh, and and not only that is, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. Uh, Patreon is, is really what is helping continue to grow this show uh, to the point where, 
it was probably probably a year and a half ago, something like that. I was, I, I had a discussion with Ryan. I was about ready to hang it all up and quit the podcast yeah. because we just, we just didn't have the motivation wasn't there. There wasn't something that was really driving it. Uh, and, and honestly, there was, there's just so much work that goes in behind the scenes that it, it, it kind of goes unnoticed sometimes if, if you're not doing this. And so that's when somebody said, you should probably start a Patreon thing. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's grown and grown and grown. And to the point where we have hit our milestone, uh, as the past few weeks that we're, we're now over $5,000 a month through our Patreon community. And what that is doing for me is it's now allowing, uh, I kind of said it already, the Patreon community, but now to everybody else. So my wife is what you've all known for a long time is she's been working at Heaven Hill, uh, but now she is quitting her job at Heaven Hill and going to be working on the podcast full-time starting January 4th. Wow. Um, and, and thank you. And honestly, what this means to, to me Screw and my family. Heaven Hill in there. <laughs> no, 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 like that. I'm kidding. But what honestly it means for me, uh, it, it means a better family life. Uh, it, it means that I can, I can offload a lot of the work that we've been taking on for the past two years uh, in regards of, I mean, we, we don't put out near as much social media as we, we probably could. Uh, and as well as trying to always keep batch processing emails that come in, uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot of time that's involved and I'm glad that I can bring on somebody. And also one thing that everybody should know is that she's actually very talented. She's the one who taught me how to do all the video editing. And she did even the, the intro with the, the graphics and everything like that. The, all the, so she knows what she's doing. She's going to do it way better than, than I ever can. So expect a lot more good things to come in well, 2019 Kenny, just from the show. I think I, I you know, I, I just tell you like coming in, um, it's been an honor and just, observing your professionalism and like how you run, um, you know, this podcast, you, you treat it like a business and, um, you, you have, uh, you have a loyalty to the bourbon geek that's unwavering. And I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's been a true pleasure, you know, seeing you in action. So I hate to see you lose the crown of being the boss now and your wife coming in. <laughs> well, well, she, she might be your boss now too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of that, uh, Kenny, what's the, uh, sexual harassment policy looking like for bourbon pursuit? How's she? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, or is this, is this going back to the, uh, the original, how we started? this the loop or no loop discussion <laughs> but let's let's go ahead because i know we're running low on time and i really want to start getting into our, our 2019 predictions but just some other things to kind of wrap up 2018 uh vintage spirits law went into effect in kentucky there were some other minor changes that happened we as the community bourbon or the bourbon community roundtable actually picked our first barrel together buffalo trace and in 2019 we've got another one coming as well more news on that to come uh, Long Branch made its wild turkey debut with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, let's see. Brian of Sippin' Corn won his case with uh, Castle and Key against Sazerac. Uh, that was a, a pretty monumental thing as well. And now we can start talking about uh, 2019. And so Blake had already hinted at it before, and this will just kind of be a fun one before we go into it. Uh, going into 2018, he had banned crotch shots in the, the Bourboner group, as well as he had also banned uh, no sealed bottle shots. Now he's, as he had mentioned earlier, he's looking for the next great suggestion to improve the group for 2019. So you had mentioned there were two. So what are those two that are that are kind of standouts right now?
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Now he's, as he had mentioned earlier, he's looking for the next great suggestion to improve the group for 2019. So you had mentioned there were two. So what are those two that are, that are kind of standouts right now? No, I think the two that will probably come back are just uh, like dusty pictures. Like, Hey, how old is this? Um, you know, we found this, what, what, what is it kind of, kind of deal? The, the problem is it can become a slippery slope of, somebody just posts a picture from the eighties and says, found this in my granddad's. Then it turns into people trying to, um, trying to buy and sell. So that's what we don't want. But, um, there's a lot of information that comes out when you post a picture of an old bottle and say, you know, does anybody have any information on this? And, you know, you get a lot of good things going on with like, yeah, look for the tax stamp, look on the bottom of the bottle, you know, where was it bottled? Was it Louisville? Was it Frankfurt? All this kind of stuff. So that was a big one. And then, um, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to go look at it. I don't remember what the other one was. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay, what was, what was a ridiculous one? Oh, geez, it's like anything crotch shot related or one was banning all Gator fans. One was banning all Bulldog fans. One, <laughs> There's a, you know, it, it got um, amount of hate for people who uh, just walk into a store, take a picture of the shelf and say, what should I buy? But, and I get it, you know, from both sides because we've all been there. Um, that's, I've talked about this before, but it's why, why I like taking on new things like rum or brandies and stuff. Cause you just don't know you walk into a store and you have no clue what any of these brands are. So, you know, you understand thinking, yeah, I want to know what's good, but at the same time, you don't want you know, there's a search f- feature on the bourbon or Facebook group. So if you see a brand, you can search for it. Um, the The number one thing to ban is anyone uh, or anybody who asks anyone know what this is worth. Um, that should be a, an automatic ban. Um, you know, any political post that's 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 annoying. Uh, 
Yeah. And that's the thing is so much of it gets through and there's three of us constantly checking the the feed to see what is, uh, what, what is on there. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but the main thing is you want the group to be informational and to kind of invoke discussion, but at the same time, you don't want it to go overboard where it turns into fights or people trying to sell. Cause that's, that's not what the group's about. So it's just about finding that mix. Absolutely. So another one, just to kind of keep this rolling a little bit, uh, you know, towards the end of 2018, there was a lot of announcements for expansion. There was Kentucky Owl Park. There was Heaven Hill. Uh, I believe, was it somebody that had another one last week? Bullet? Diageo? Yeah, something like that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the new bullet, right? Yep. Now, do you, is this just end of year spending? People are like, all right, we got to get on the books. Do we, do we see any more possible expansions happen in 2019 because it seemed like it was all the majors that were, that were announcing this. I think, (sighs) I think there's always a possibility that you can see makers Mark making an expansion. Uh, Makers is um, they're on fire everywhere. I was very fortunate to be on, uh, be on their top chef episode, but I think that's going to pay huge dividends for them because they're going to be everywhere on this, in this season. Um, and it, I, I got to tell you, I, that is a brand that could make the leap uh, to be the number one selling, you know, American whiskey in the last, wow. in the next 25, um, 50 years, you know. So I, I would say look at them. Somebody, you know, like a nice mid-tier brand like Smooth Ambler is one that's, you know, doing well on the trade that you could see you know, expanding a little bit. It wouldn't be a lot, but uh, a lot of these expansions are just, you know, the it's a warehouse, it's a bottling line. You know, I think we, we need to qualify what, you know, a big expansion is because to me, a big one is when a still comes in. The bottling lines, the warehouses, those are interesting, but that doesn't move the needle for me. What moves the needle for me are proof gallons. Proof gallons is basically that's your that's your entry everywhere because there's here's here's another sorry I'm just talking but th- there's a lot of, um, of of warehouse capacity in the state so you have a lot of um, you have a lot of like uh, aging you know we know about contract distilling there's a lot of contract aging and so there's not a lot of need for um, building warehouses because you have a lot of, you know, contract aging, you know, capacity in the state. And uh, so I I think that we'll see fewer warehouses being built and more stills, fermenters being put in. Where that's where you see somebody like a Bardstown Bourbon Company who I think they basically quadrupled in size from from a proof gallon standpoint within the first two years Um, in maybe the same thing could happen with like a castle and key or even a rabbit hole um or a new riff who they're they're kind of uh i could see new riff yeah yeah i um i don't want to i'll spoil the post i'm working on a little bit but kind of like that third wave of you know third wave coffee roasters you had uh first it was all folgers then you had these just small um or excuse me, then you had like the Starbucks who were kind of taking the craft. And then you had these um, smaller brands that come along, but making a pretty big dent in the game. So and 
whiskey in general is kind of seeing the same thing. You know, you had the big six, whatever it was, um, distilleries who were making the majority of it. And then you'd have the guy with the pot still. Now we're kind of seeing some pretty major players popping into the game, like Rabbit Hole, New Riff, Bard, or uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company, um, Smooth Amblers even pumping out, uh, Wyoming whiskeys pumping out a lot of whiskey. Yeah. Um, you, you know, they're, they're making a dent. It's not like they're going to sell 2,000 k- cases a year and that'll be a good year you know they're they're really cranking out some barrels Same so it's interesting here, right? to see yep yep, yep. so are you seeing rabbit hole as your guest uh coming up blake that, I, I mean that would be uh that would be a great one C- can i get them on i don't know <laughs> I, I got rained out so i only got to meet um oh shoot what's his name i'm Kave. his name Kave. Kave. I, I got to meet him for like five minutes backstage at uh at bourbon and beyond because yeah. we got um but no I'd, I'd love to have them on so that's a, a you know ra- ra- rabbit hole is an interesting brand uh and in that they built their distillery in my opinion for uh capacity um it's it's a gorgeous distillery it's very urban you have a nice like event space but how they you could basically duplicate you know the the production side on their event space side. So when they are ready to expand, they they can build a second distillery essentially right there in the space. Yeah. Which is smart. I mean, yeah. I think that just sets them up for future success. So I, I can't drink anymore. <laughs> well, and the other thing is you were mentioned about <laughs> growth. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the, the JW Rutledge uh, distillery that yeah. kind of had the announcement as well, where it's going to be a lot of probably the same thing of contract distillation. But the other side of this is the consumer side. And this is the side that means the most because it is the ones that are out there shelling out the money to go and buy these bourbons on the shelf. So we continually see prices uh, increase just a little year after year after year. Uh, I'm assuming that we're probably going to see the same trend happen in 2019. Uh, Four Roses has announced that their private select barrel program is going to have increases starting January 1st. Um, does anybody see this not happening anywhere? I, I think, think you see everywhere. no. I think you see it happening everywhere. So then, when when releases come out like that Ezra Barrel Proof, right, mm-hmm. or the whatever is proofed at, right, you start noticing them a little bit more, right? It's a good value then. So now all of a sudden, so we always go through this on the site. So we always have a value section where it's like, why are we doing value now still? Everything's going up in price. You're doing the same thing. And then we realize, oh, when there is an actual good value, yeah, it does give something to talk about. So I think we're going to see it continuously go up. But I think the ones that actually start being consumer conscious when they pick a price point are going to see themselves rewarded very well. Right? It may not be the best whiskey out there, but if you're one of the few playing that price ranges and you're okay, I think you're going to be rewarded. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's so much damn bourbon coming. You guys are talking rabbit hole and every other distiller and expansion and more and more bourbon. At what point do we just run out of space to buy more bourbon? And I, mean, I am freaking out. Of, I need a storage warehouse now. You're talking about well, to that to that point, you know, the, the the distillers have been putting a lot of focus on the international markets, and they got they got kind of hamstrung a little bit with the tariffs, and you've seen craft distillers be immediately affected by that so now like europe will no longer the european distributors will no longer have conversations with american craft bourbons unless it's something like uh i would say new riff 
which New Riff kind of stands out a little bit more, maybe Rabbit Hole. But uh, the ones that are outside of Kentucky, they're not going to be getting those conversations with European distillers with a 25% uh, tariff on them. Now, you think just because the what the price point will have to be on the shelf um, or just in general, that's too much of a hassle to it's, deal with? It's quality times price point equal pie. Uh, over divided by over over pound. Yeah. <laughs> no, what are the the euro over over euro? So yeah. that's the uh, yeah. that's the equation they're using there. Uh, <laughs> are we still on 2019 goals, or did we pass that by? <laughs> hey, but you know what, Carrie, you're exactly right. There is so much fucking shit out there. Yeah. yeah. Like, when do you? When is the limit? When will the people stop consuming? You also have to realize, Carrie, right? The group that's watching this and us on this don't have much pity if you're saying you're running out of space for bourbon. Like, all of us are running out of space for bourbon. That's what I'm saying. The people listening, (laughs) we all are collectors and hoarders, and we've got so much bourbon. And really, it's about us, right? We do this podcast for for us and the people who are into bourbon like we are, for all the bourbon lovers out there. So really... I mean, we talk about new riff and all the expansion and all that, but we don't care about the people who are just buying the Jim Beam white label off the shelf who might. Of course, we do. We oh, care. I definitely I care think, about those folks. Just to be, yeah, I, think I love those people. They're not people. buying vodka. Come on, man. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people will make that quick jump from, "Hey, I'm already drinking this Jim Beam white or whatever it is." It's they just know it as bourbon what comes with a cool story next? And okay, they so make that jump pretty quick. Me that. Can I explain, me that can I explain why yeah. I hate those people? Huh. Because they are the ones who lined up this morning <laughs> at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning to buy a barrel of Blanton's at a local store that we had pictures in our local group and said, this is for a barrel of Blanton's. The line was around the building. That is why I don't like that particular subset. Because everyone well, else, we were all there. Listen, Carrie, Carrie, listen. You gotta get you gotta get the judgmental stuff out of your head and let people <laughs> no, spend that's their money how they want. It's my niche. Well, no, no, you can have that niche, but you know, not when it comes to the consumer. Let yeah. them be lit. Don't judge those guys. Judge the distillers. What do I care about the consumer? Yeah. I don't but we were all there. The whole like we have to help everyone who starts, no matter what level of the journey. We're someone asks me for help. I will absolutely help and offer advice instead you know, of the person who Carrie, puts you know what you are instead of the person who puts the Blantons that they just bought online. You're the fucking barstool sports later. guy. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> call the barstool sports guy. You're that guy. You get me. You know, the, I think the best thing for me in 2018 was being as somebody asked if I would admin a really large unnamed group on Facebook that deals with secondary market. And it is just a great release for me. I mean, it is, it's exactly what I needed this year. And there is a difference between the person who wants to know more about bourbon and wants to share and open their bottles and the people who hear about people, you know, flipping Blanton's. So they go wait in line and then they post it online and flip it. That's a whole different group of people that you're talking about there, right? That's who I was focusing on. So if you're focusing on like people who are just flipping and everyday stuff, that's fine. You can rant about that. But just focusing on folks who may drink like introductory bourbons, that's, that's we got to draw the line there a little bit. Okay. Fine. Yeah, in fairness, Kerry can like bitch about whatever he wants. And I think he's got a place here. He's like the Barstool sports guy. <laughs> <in Burma. laughs> and, and you should, you should, you should own that, man. If you're looking for your place. Maybe that's it. You just fucking bitch about everything. Bitch about yourself, though. 
<laughs> I'm cynical as shit. I mean, I get it. I just, I, I guess I just, I see the negative all the time in this hobby. Just do not fuck with the Lexington pizza place. If you do that, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I go to Lexington? Did he? The Goodfellas. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Thing? yeah. Oh, he, he killed, he went to like the worst pizza place in Jacksonville too and just ranted on how bad it was. I'm like, well, yeah, I've lived in Jacksonville my whole life. I've never heard of that place. I mean, this guy just yeah. like, he just went in there and said, oh my God, just where's pizza ever, bro? You know, he's a, <laughs> he's a bro dude, but... Can we get back to bourbon? We can talk about yeah, pizza later. <laughs> All right. So we talked about prices. Uh, you know, one thing that also happened in 2018 was uh, Fred kind of screwed everybody that knew about Henry McKenna calling it the best value in bourbon. And he called it the best, best. He won. It won the best, the San Francisco spirits competition, 2018. Uh, and we all kind of know what happened there. Uh, it's probably, as just Carrie said, people were buying it as soon as it hits the shelves, it's kind of flying off. But I don't think this is uh, in the same limited or maybe even um, I guess we could all say we all we all have theories of, um, you know, I guess creating a a limited scarcity. Uh, we've all said that Sazerac might be doing that, but I don't really see that happening with Heaven Hill. Uh, do we think that the Henry kind of pa- uh, fad might pass in 2019 and and perhaps we'll start seeing it regularly on the shelves again? It's all over Atlanta. It's there's yeah. Not, I've already started seeing it. On the it's all over, I've never left PA. It's been all over PA. Um, okay. Raise the price a little bit. But so Kentucky's a little bit of a different animal Kentucky's than everybody a else. Different animal. You know what I think it is? I think it's always going to be a popular bourbon that everyone talks about. As everyone else is dropping age statements, right, and rising in price, and right kind of still really affordable, and it still carries a ten year age statement. It's a great, right? It's a fantastic bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. But all those people buying that Beam White label, they're like, what's next? And then they're like, oh, you should buy Henry McKenna because it's going out of stock. And then everybody goes and buys Henry McKenna, and then they sell it for 50 bucks online. You know what? Taste uh, Beam White label up against um, the craft bourbons and then the uh, rapidly aged stuff. Like, I've done that before. It wins every time. And then throw a Woodford Reserve in there, too, and, and it'll still win. It's amazing. Like It's amazing how well uh, Beam White label will do in a blind competition with, like, just everyday bourbons, like it, 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 it does really well. So play around with that a little bit. Any private barrels? Uh, sure. Yeah, they'll do a private barrel, but they put it under a different label. Give it maybe another, you know, year or two. They're pushing the Knob Creek private barrels more, mm-hmm. but yeah. you can't, you can't get a beam private barrel. Oh, I Fred can though. Yeah, Fred. What's that? I think Fred, you can though for us. Did you say you can or can't get a beam? No, private no, you barrel? can't. You can. You just gotta, you gotta ask for it. Oh, I'd do that. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be an interesting one. You have to be on Top Chef to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can anybody call Tom? Yeah. All right. And so our uh, our last kind of topic uh, when it comes to 2019 predictions uh, is going to kind of be focused around Heaven Hill a little bit. You know, Denny Potter, longtime master distiller, uh, was actually prior maker. He was at Maker's Mark prior, came to Heaven Hill, master distiller there, left Heaven Hill. And is now at Maker's Mark. So I guess the question is, it, and I, I think that Heaven Hill will find a new master distiller uh, at some point. But the real the question really becomes is, is it really an issue uh, if they find one? Because at this point, it seems that production hasn't really stopped because of not having a master distiller. Is It's probably more of just having the marketing person behind it. So I kind of want to get your all's thoughts on that as well. Yeah, the marketing department probably wants one ASAP. But as far as production, I mean, we've been there, Kenny. I mean, hell, it's 
they're pumping along just fine. Denny Potter wasn't there, you know, uh, they got systems in place, processes in place, you know, a company and a distiller like that. It's, you know, plug in, replace, plug in, replace, you know, everybody's replaceable in that. Uh, a master distiller is more just a figurehead, but uh, I think it's a little bit concerning um, just from being kind of in Bardstown and knowing people like it's weird three or four years ago, like everybody was leaving makers and Jim Beam to go to Heaven Hill. And now everybody's leaving Heaven Hill to go to Jim Beam and makers. And it's weird how that's kind of, like evolved and so i'm not really sure what's going on um if is it because centauri is now you know after the strikes and everything they're putting more value on employees and giving them more benefits or something but uh it's kind of interesting how that's kind of played out yeah i would agree um I, I i don't think in the short term it's a big uh detriment but in the long term i think you kind of need that um kind of that figurehead you know uh, we, we talk about like what what is the actual role of a master distiller from a production standpoint they don't stop the stills tomorrow because Denny Potter's not there so that keeps rolling but from just uh you know moving moving the engine forward I think I yeah. think you need that person there um, who can be charismatic who can talk about the product who can understand the you know the entire production method around it um, who can go to tasting who's, who can shake hands who can jump on podcast um, that kind of stuff um, and really be um, you know liaison for the brand I, I think the, the master distiller role is important um, but the bourbon doesn't stop production because they're not there yeah and I think what Ryan said is very true, right? And I'm sure the marketing department very much, especially in today's day and age, right? You have to look at the role of the master stiller over the last, you know, few decades. And, you know, it used to be a badge distinction and really one earned. And now it's more, who's your master stiller, right? And it doesn't matter if they have five years experience or 50 years experience, you're going to have a master stiller someplace, right? And so, yeah, you, you need one, right? Just because it's everyone else has one and you just need to compete and just need to market for those folks who are just getting into bourbon, Right. And they just, hey, who's the master stiller? Oh, that person. Okay. Oh, you don't have one. Ooh, that must be a bad thing. They don't quite understand the history right behind that. So, you know, will it stop production? No, not not at all. Will it, you know, stop the marketing game? Yeah, they really want someone there. Right. And they want someone promoting it. Exactly what Blake just said. They're a figurehead. Um, they're a very smart, well-talented figurehead, but they're a figurehead at the end of the day. Um, and that's the way it should be, right? The machine behind the figurehead should always keep running no matter what. But um, you still need that person to get out there for the media and for the publicity and for the marketing to to be that name, you know, face of the brand. Yep. Well, with that, uh, does anybody else have any other 2019 predictions they would like to uh, put out there? And, so, and, we'll, and we're going to come back in at the end of 2019 and we'll see if any of them actually come to fruition. I wrote down a couple of my goals for 2019. Number one, I'm going to finally meet you guys. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> Is that a goal or a prediction? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know Both. which it falls into. It's uh, more of a, a wish list. Um, definitely try to grow my brand. Um, but I'll tell you what I'm actually really interested in. There's um, there's a lull that happens from probably January till spring when bourbon takes a dip, right? It always does. There's not a whole lot of releases. I don't know why bourbon distilleries don't release more in that time frame, but we typically have a dip. And you find that um, that it, it kind of affects the secondary market. And every year, I feel like there has been a bigger dip um, in that time frame. So I'm I'm kind of hoping to see maybe 
the craze, um, and I don't mean the the people who are into bourbon, but just the craze for the flippers starts to die down a little bit. And we can go back to more affordable pricing for the stuff that's old and the stuff that's rare. Kenny's shaking his head. He says it's never going to happen. Ain't going to happen. No, it, it, it's 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 just the the nature of what this this economy brings as more people get into it. Um, and, and I mean, you can see it here in Louisville, and I'm sure you see it in Atlanta too. As more and more people get into bourbon, even limited releases are getting harder and harder to find, which means it's just going to keep driving the price up more and more and more. Uh, especially when it comes to value trades that people like you and I have acquired over years. And we can say, I really don't need this old rip of 2010. Sure. I'll trade it for a bookers, whatever that comes out. You know, that's just one of the things like it, the, the value at that point doesn't really mean as much to us anymore. And we'll just, we'll just trade it off. So do we think it's a ever, it's a constant growing bubble that will never, ever break? I mean, if you look oh, at something, I, I, Maybe I need to TM it, but if you look at the Pappy Index and how that's creeped up every single year, I mean, let's just rewind the clocks back three years, uh, old, maybe even two years. Old Rip Van Winkle on secondary was three hundred. Now it's at four twenty-five. Like that's and, over and, a year. That's and, like a year. Yeah, yeah, and it hasn't. It's it's not stopping. So I, I don't I don't see the train slowing down anytime soon. I think my prediction, I think um, rock stars in the industry, while they used to be master distillers and they're still really big, it's now more of a rock star if you're a owner of a liquor store. So it used to be a big deal if you had a master distiller in your phone and you could text them and, and talk to them. Now it's, oh, who do you know who can help actually get you those limited releases, right? So that's what, that's what I think consumers are more excited about, which goes back to um, Kenny's point, the bubble's not slowing down anytime soon, right? When you're excited because you made good friends with a liquor store owner who may be able to hook you up, that's when things are even going more gangbusters than before. That's a great right. prediction. Great yeah. prediction. Yeah. So everyone who's a liquor store owner right now is like high-fiving themselves because they're <laughs> like the coolest kid in the group, but it's true. But they already are. Like, you, you still, you don't, you, I mean, everybody already hits them up now anyways. I don't know how that would be any different in 2019, but Can we get a they already have a lot more interesting. interesting. Yeah. The cynical comes out. <laughs> I'm not being cynical. I'm being tr- truthful. Like, Pretty sure that was cynical. How many liquor store owners are sitting around saying, man, I wish some guys would just come up and chat with me about our election. I really wish some guys would get on our allocated bourbon list. They just they come in and they buy a bottle of Schlitz malt liquor and they leave. And No, no, it's not that. But So bourbon. you, right, you even as a consumer, would you rather have um, Denny on speed dial on your phone that you can text anytime? Would you really have a liquor store owner? Denny. Like, you, Denny really? okay. So I, I, I doubt that. If someone gave you the choice, you'd be like, oh, that guy is going to... I already have three, three liquor releases. store owners on my cell phone. <laughs> I don't you know, have you Denny. <laughs> you asked me which I'd rather have. Now I'd rather have Denny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there are some other good comments in here that 2019 will still not be the year of a rye release for Parker's Heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's too simple. It's like, uh, yeah, it just it seems to fit too all too well to actually do it. Just you know, Fred, do they have the rye for it? Why don't they do it? Have you ever asked them? Yeah, well, so they they have Rittenhouse, so you know, absolutely they have the the rye. Um, and they were distilling their rye with uh, Brown Foreman for a long time. Uh, that contract got cut off in I think twenty thirteen, uh, and so now they're distilling their rye again. Oh, so they weren't doing it for a while. Well, that yeah, whole because of the that fire, whole right? burning the fire yeah. with your distillery down, they kind of had to 
contract some of their stuff out. And that, you know, the rye was, was the big one that was contracted out to Brown Foreman. Gotcha. My 2019 prediction is pursuit series will be bought by Smirnoff and we will be in the <laughs> with a pyramid of me and Kenny. And, and animatronic Kenny and Ryan are just like waving to everyone as the train goes by. That's right. Yeah. I yeah. think there should be a, a big round table prediction, you know, like, Roundtable is going to get bought up by um, Bravo TV. I don't know what. Are we? <laughs> can we? Uh, can Possible. we get you know a, a bigger audience of a uh, of going on for the um, roundtable? No, I think there's you know uh, as we just continue to see the growth, new brands pop up, new bottles pop up, um, and just really the enthusiasm for bourbon in general pop up. You know the amount of people you see coming in from wine and beer and everywhere else just because it is kind of that i don't want to say new kid on the block but it's definitely kind of it's on the up upward trend um you just see more and more opportunities with it with the uh, popularity so i think there's going to be another like new riff kind of made some waves this year i think there's going to be another new riff next year coming out with something for sure Wilderness Trail made, yeah, yeah. I would say, made they equal waves to New, yeah, yeah. New Riff. Um, they did really well. If I were to, you know, this has been a um, this has been a hard year for me to kind of like study trends as I've done in years past because I've been so busy. But there's there's one trend um, that I think is is going to hit hard next year, and that is. Uh, the closure of craft distillers that did not do well. And we've already started to see some, uh, some bankruptcies and some closures, death door and death door in uh, Wisconsin, which was a prominent uh, gin distiller is, uh, you know, filing for bankruptcy. And that I, if you would ask me, there's like, I would be like, no way they're not filing for bankruptcy because they're hugely popular. And so I think we're about to see that. And I think that we're going to, um, um, we're going to see the, the absence of Dave Pickerel really be felt. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think people realize how much that guy touched. And yeah, he served, he served this community. He served this industry, this community with every bit of his life. And, and I think it ended up costing his life and, so I, I hate to say that, but there's not another Dave Pickerel in this world. Yeah, especially even from just a whistle pig perspective. You know, you think about, I mean, who I, I, I kind of know the owner's name, but Dave Pickerel was who mm-hmm. I would think about when I think about whistle pig. So um, that's a, the, a huge gap for sure. So um, definitely. Yeah. Would be a nice prediction. I think this is going to come true. One last one. I think we may do another live taping potentially of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. Yeah. We'll be able to get Fred there this time. And, you know, Carrie, since you will be the newest person joining us live, you're going to have to top the bottle that Brian brought to the table. No no pressure, but he brought a 19, what was it, 33 uh, old Taylor? I believe it was a 1917. It was was 17 years old. So barreled in 17, bottled in 33. I have blood oath packed one. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you're cynical. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Meeting you guys. I do. It'll be a lot of fun.
Great. So let's go ahead. Uh, let's wrap it up. There's a few other predictions that came in through the chat. Chris Wiseman said uh, bourbon of the year at San Francisco is not going to be made in Kentucky. Oh, uh, I know. Fine. Crazy. Wow. Uh, Matt, Matt Cusick said uh, he, he probably guesses that there's going to be at least another celebrity that's going to launch some sort of not good whiskey. That's the yeah. best way I could probably put uh, there's that one actually, out there. I already know of one coming. It's, it's, oh man. It's, Don't say Ronnie Kenny. All right. Give us a hint, Fred. Give us a, is it a, um, musician or actor? Musician in the rap community. Oh, oh if Ludacris comes out with a bourbon, cause Ooh. he's already got Conjure. I'm in. It's totally <laughs> Nelly, isn't it? I love Nelly. Luda. Yeah. Whatever. I get down on some nineties rap. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> In two two thousands for sure. Montel Jordan bringing out. But yeah. Drake Drake's the only other rapper I know with a whiskey right now, yeah. right? I don't know if you'd call that a whiskey. That uh Was it like, flavored? Yeah, it's flavored. Well, it's yeah. not flavored and by technicality, but it's flavored by Canadian standards. I'd, I'd love to interview Trick Daddy on you know Burr. Oh. I don't even know who the fuck Trick Daddy is. You know who Trick <laughs> Daddy is? Oh man, no. you gotta you gotta follow follow no, him I on Instagram. You get you get his uh you didn't listen to Take It to the House? Are you kidding me, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> How does it go? How does it go? Trick uh, I'm not gonna embarrass myself like that. <laughs> no, the last hey, great, the, to the house. The last great rapper was Tupac, and that you know that was kind of the <laughs> come on, dude. Twenty five years ago, man. Tupac. <laughs> We've evolved since then. Yeah, I know, you know, get uh get out direction. <laughs> Bourbon brand. Come on, man. All right. We have uh we've overshot this this round table by uh a lot longer than I thought we were gonna go, but it's always good. And I'm sure people are gonna really dig a lot of the conversation too, because you know, there was for all of us here, we had a great 2018. We're all starting to try to figure out what does 2019 look for uh, look like for us as well and and figure out how to kind of carve those paths and start making those moves. So uh, again, congratulations to everybody that's sitting here. Uh it's been a, a a pleasurable 2018 to spend with all of you. Uh, we're all happy to see where everybody's kind of driving and and working towards as well. And, and thank you everybody for all that's listening. I hope you had a successful 2018 as well. And hopefully it pours back into 2019. But before we sign off, I want to let everybody kind of go around the horn one more time and talk about where they blog at uh, as usual. So uh, Jordan, normal, start with you. You know, normal exit as normal. Sure. Yeah, exit so, as normal. Exit right. as normal. So this is Jordan, one of the three guys from BreakingBourbon.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and Patreon at Breaking Bourbon. Sign up for our newsletter. And also we basically do a near daily calendar update release. So again, if you're looking for last minute Christmas gifts, find out what's being uh, released in this month or year or months past. All right. And by, well, we're still doing this because I think everybody's loving uh, all this stuff in the chat about 90s rap. So you got to say who your favorite like 90s or 2000s rap artists are. But, you know, I got to be honest. I'm not a huge like rap fan. Oh, and, like, I appreciate it, but I just don't like I'll listen to rap nonstop. But I just don't have like a favorite What's your artist. music? What's your uh, what's your flave? Um, I don't like a lot of like um, top stuff, a lot of jam bands, you know, on a good Sunday night. Honest to God, on a good Sunday night with a bourbon, I still tune into uh WFPK and listen to their banjo show. So wow, that's yeah. the nerdiest thing I've hey, ever check heard. Out a, <laughs> check out a uh, check out a band nice called Sunday. Still Wheels. What was that, friend? Still Wheels. Check out a band called Still Wheels. Okay, I will. I've done, I did a tasting with them. I think they're the most talented uh, band awesome. in the grass. Yeah, but they, I don't know why they haven't taken off, but they're amazing. <laughs> okay. 
I don't know why they're not good yet. But <laughs> <laughs> Bluegrass is a hard genre to break in. Oh my! I, you know what? So when we were down for Bourbon and Beyond, I threw it on when Nick was there. The radio show's on, and he looked. I'm like, "Oh, you mind if I put it on?" He goes, "No." Five minutes later, he's like, "What the hell are we listening to?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I was, yeah, was I was this close to meeting Del McCory. No, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. He's a god. Nice. But then you didn't. So let's go on. <laughs> wow. Dick, Dick night. <laughs> All right. Blake, you go next. And don't forget your favorite rapper. All right. I am Blake from Bourboner.com. Uh, once again, all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R. This list is going to be long. Um, 90s rap is kind of where I live for a long time in my AAU basketball team. So, um, you know, this wasn't quite nineties, but you know, Southern hip hop was really big here in uh, Florida. So, you know, trick daddy, um, throwing some crime mob every now and then, um, few others like that. Um, you know, Biggie like was a, in there for sure. Like sixth grade middle school basketball game. Definitely, definitely had life after death playing. So, uh, that, that, that was big that on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'm done. Carrie, what about you? Hey, this is Carrie. Are you a three six mafia person? Uh, no, I'm actually <laughs> don't mess with my nineties rap. All right. In ninety-five, Montel Jordan was the best. <laughs> but in ninety-six, <laughs> I'm from Atlanta and Outcast was the best. Oh yeah. Yeah, Outcast was great. So, yeah. It was Andre Andre three thousand is still one of the top. No, they were awesome, man. Listen to any of that stuff nowadays, and you're like, wow, this is this is really good <laughs> shit that was ahead of time. But uh, I am a team of one of suburbia.com that's going to write a lot of stuff in 2019. And uh, as usual, you know, I love uh, hanging with you guys. I'm very proud of all the stuff you guys have accomplished. Fred, it's been nice to actually get to know you this year. Um, sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as usual, enjoy uh, hanging with you guys and keeping me on this podcast. And um, definitely looking forward to good things next year. All right. Uh, and so, Fred. Fred, we already know Fred's Tupac. So, Ryan, what about you? Well, um, you said 3 6 Mafia, but uh, I like I really like the Hot Boys. Oh, oh yeah. Were, uh, I don't know if that was 90s or early 2000s. That was early 2000s, but Wayne, BG, yeah. well, they were Turk. Yeah. Hard <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, that was all them together. You know, they were, they jammed. But uh, no, uh, so I appreciate everybody coming on again. Obviously, we this is our favorite thing to do, and I know it's a lot of time and effort on your all's part uh, to put this together. And uh, I want to do a challenge for everyone here and and our audience. For Ooh. you know, we're in the Christmas Ooh. season, uh, you know, in the holidays. Uh, you know, being in this community, I feel blessed, and I'm sure many of you are blessed with more than enough. So I would challenge you to. Look to someone. This is supposed to be the most wonderful time of year. Look to someone. It might not be having the most wonderful time of year and help them out. Uh, look to someone to give them a helping hand this season because that's what it's all about. Because we are so blessed, and I think we can just do a lot of good in the world with bourbon and everything. So let's. that's my goal for everyone is uh, let's use bourbon. Don't be cynical about it. Let's uh, turn it into a positive. So. That's awesome. Can we also buy you a new T-shirt and a new hat? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being positive. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, guy just pours his heart out. <laughs> yeah. No, you're a good man. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. We love you. You're a good man.
Well, that's a that's a great way to finish it, and I, and please everybody do that. Uh, and also go out. And I, I don't know why anybody didn't mention Snoop Dogg or Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, but I know I'm, I'm more I, of a Nelly. I mentioned uh, I mentioned Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a, he's still he still he still puts on good shows at Vegas too. So if you're out there, go check that. I out. I may not have said his name, but that's a hint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, no limit people too. I'll you know, buy that. Awesome. Yeah, Snoop Dogg was actually on No Limit for a little bit. Right. Which labels for a while? Yeah, after Death Row. It's yep. getting hot in hair. Man, right. we we I'm could kill some sleep. '90s rap uh, trivia. That's for no. sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, metal, baby. heavy metal. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Yeah, because I don't think we're going to see Nelly at uh, at Bourbon Beyond this year. So we'll have to. Uh, we'll never do- know. Ah, I do. Okay, uh, I, do, I do know the artist, so but no, I mean you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me, Fred. I will be oh, on stage. Man. Didn't Nelly Thank like you. pee on people or something? That was R. Kelly. No, uh, not Nelly. Yeah, that was R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> he did worse than that, though. <laughs> no, Nell, Nelly, like he may have punched a guy or two, but they deserved. He wears a band aid, you know. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, hello, cool Jays. Let's go and call us out. So, thank you everybody for that joined us tonight. Thank you everybody that was on the comments. We almost eclipsed 100. I think we were at like 96, something like that at one point, but it was fantastic to see everybody on the show tonight. Again, another great wrap up. Uh, we'll see here, everybody, again, probably this time in a year to do the same exact show. And we'll see if these predictions came true. But if not, you can catch us again here another three weeks on the next roundtable. And of course, every Thursday morning with a new Bourbon Pursuit podcast release. Thank you so much for everybody that joined in. And we'll see everybody next week. 